Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the marathon. We're a little bit behind schedule. We'll do our best to kind of get back up on track, but guests are always wonderful about dealing with that. Um, so have you heard about the basketball tournament? It's one of these kind of crazy concoction ideas. Bracket basically made up of teams with a huge prize on the end um, for the winning team. I think it's $2 million winner takes all. It's kind of the offseason, ooh, what is this thing going on? Even ESPN has has jumped on board with this. It's kind of a, a novelty to some degree, but it's also interesting. I got approached uh, a year ago, hey, could I help put a D3 team together? To be honest with you, I couldn't do it. Um, but it didn't take long before some other D3s got the idea. And it appears we will actually have a team made up of former Division Three student-athletes ready to take on the TBT. Now, I think some D3 student-athletes have been a part of teams this would be an all-D3 team trying to show its worth in the TBT. Personally, I think they got a pretty good chance. More about it, though, we got to talk to the head coach and general manager of the team, and that gentleman happens to be Mike Raniak, former New Paltz head coach, now assistant at Vassar. He joins us on the City of Salem Hoopsville hotline. And, and Mike, uh, I'll admit I was excited when I heard somebody was going to take this on, but on the flip side of that, I also kind of rolled my eyes because I went, Oh, this could be a beast of a project. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit, a little bit. Thanks, Dave, for having me. I, I, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, and it was uh, kind of weird how it, how it all came together, um, but it, it looks like it's it's continuing uh, to gain steam here. And uh, I'm really excited about the opportunity. Uh, you know, me being a D3 lifer myself, um, it's it's a pretty cool uh, idea, I think, and I think we can make some waves. Yeah, I mean, who knows how how it would turn out. We'll talk more yeah. about the specifics of the team in a bit. But the idea is there, and I know those at the TBT are, are fascinated by it because some of them are D3 guys. This is something they want to say, hey, listen, here's a great place to prove that we've got some really good players. And listen, if I were a fantasy guy, when you're talking the, the likes of a, a Joey Flannery or, or a Departamento or or other guys who have played Division Three that we know are Ben Strong, who's still playing – or used to be still playing or is still involved. You talk about some of the fantasy guys, you're always like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to put this kind of team together? Or if we watch the All-Star game every year in, in Salem, imagine these guys on the floor in, a, in this kind of thing. But it takes a lot of work to put that kind of thing together, so it hasn't been the easiest to do. They approached you. What, what was kind of your mentality when to get this thing off the ground? Well, kind of, it, it happened. Like, uh, I got the idea, you know, uh, this past summer, kind of watching it on ESPN, you know, in the midst of recruiting and, and uh, I was sitting around with some of my uh, coaching buddies and we were, you know, wouldn't it be cool if, if we put together like the D3 version of, of the dream team, you know, and, and, you know, we just kind of got going there and I was like, uh, well, I, I'm sure I could get some of my old Amherst guys together. And then I was talking with uh, coach BJ Dunn and, and assistant coach Matt Droney, both at Vassar. And they were like, yeah, we could get Flannery. And then it kind of snowballed from there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like you're, you're playing that fantasy game. And, and, uh, and then I started reaching out to some coaches, uh, through my connections and, and, you know, what would, uh, reach out to the Benedictine coach and seeing what Lucas Johnson was up to and, and a couple of others just kind of, and it, and it kept kind of going from there. And then we finally uh, got in touch with a lot of the players and, and they they were very heavily interested uh, because they've always wanted to 
participate in it, but they just haven't had a, a, a team to kind of go to. Some have participated in it before, um, but it, it, it looked like it, it was finally kind of coming together. And then when I went back to the TBT guys, you know, this is kind of what we're looking at. And come to find out, one of them is a Tufts alum. And so they were, they were really kind of gung-ho about it. Yeah, so – you know, this thing is not easy, though. You know, there's a matter of, okay, no. who's interested in playing, who's either available to play, can take time off to play from work or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. There's funds involved in making sure you get the team at the right places to maybe practice, to get to games, to be up in hotels mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. This is this is not simply throwing a team together and entering a tournament and hoping for the very best. It, it's a bit of like managing a minor league team to some degree. Um, are you sure you wanted to bite off this uh, project, sir? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, I, it was uh, it was always uh, you know in the summer months you spend time recruiting and, and things on those lines, and and uh, I think for me, uh, this is a kind of fun little project uh, to keep uh, you know the coaching vibes going. You know, because as as you know, uh, you know most of us during the summer we take a little bit of, of time with family, and then we kind of sit and twiddle our thumbs until October fifteenth. So this this kind of bridges that gap, and and you know it is a little bit of a, a daunting task because we are going to have to raise some some funds, and mm-hmm. and we're we're looking at at uh, you know uh, we go fund me page and, and kind of what what uh, expenses uh, we're going to have, and we'd love to partner up with a charity. Uh, I know some of the teams uh, in the TVT in the past have uh, partnered up with uh, different sort of. Uh, Cancer charities, coaches versus cancer. Um, most notably, last year there was a team called Challenge ALS um, that have kind of partnered up, and that that has kind of alleviated some expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we are going to have to worry about a uh, little bit of travel, um, meals, and and housing for the for the guys when we're when we're kind of getting going with the training camp, and then obviously. Uh, to the to the sites of the games. Uh, so let's talk about some of those details and maybe get some in, people interested in maybe helping this thing out. First and foremost, has a name been created? Yes, yes. Uh, we were originally uh, going to be full pay you. But, I love uh, that. <laughs> but because of uh, you know going back and forth with the TBT guys, uh, the ESPN because they have the television rights. Right. Um, they wanted a more notable name based on three different things. And one was school, one was region, and another one was if you were identified through an NBA player. And we are neither of those. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) So so we, uh, we came up uh, with, with, uh, I talked to some of the players and they kind of like, you know, the mantra or team name, we are D3. And so that's going to be our name. Uh, they're going to come up with a graphic logo for it. Um, that's our Twitter handle. We are D three TBT, and that's kind of how we're going to market ourselves uh, going forward, so that it's easily identifiable uh, to the casual basketball fan who we are. Uh, you have a picture of Babson winning their championship on the headline of that TBT uh, We Are D three TBT uh, Twitter page. Can I get a hint at maybe that's a hint at who one of the players might? Yes, yeah, yeah. Joey, Joey Flannery, last year's um, 
national player of the year is, is on right now. He's playing over in Spain and he's, he's very excited about the opportunity. And uh, then we have Lucas Johnson, uh, who is the 2016 national player of the year. Um, and then we tried to get Jerry Wickstead, but he's actually uh, going to be over uh, teaching uh, or in Europe from uh, Dickinson. So darn, he'll darn D3 student athletes being smart. Yeah, gosh, gosh darn. I mean, he can really play, too. We could use his jumper. And then, and then uh, you know, we got Aaron Toomey, uh, who from Amherst College, who's uh, the 2014 National Player of the Year, um, who's an assistant coach with Dave Hickson, um, one of my great mentors uh, from Amherst. And uh, then we're also talking to DeBar LaMeo, and we're hoping that works out because depending on his season length as well. Yeah. I got a better name. His, yeah. How about D3 Players of the Year? I love it. <laughs> you just I won after it. all the Player of the Year in the last five years. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you got to start somewhere, right? Um, I, I love that they're on board with the idea, and clearly some of them are still playing, which is is even more optimal. Um, there are expenses involved. There is a GoFundMe, as you point out. You can get more information on the Twitter account, we are d 3 tbt But, you know, what are you hoping people may contribute to this, and, and what are you hoping they get out of it? You know, I, I think uh, for for me being in, in Division Three basketball now for over a decade, I mean, it is such an unbelievable family. Um, I think we're all uh, been been kind of a part of this, and 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 you have as well. And and it's just an unbelievable group. And no matter who you talk to in that group, whether you're from Loris or you're from Amherst or you're from wherever you all have that common bond. And, and I think for me, you know, really getting out there and getting our name and representing the division well and to kind of bring awareness to how great uh, not only the basketball product is, but also like how, how uh, awesome these former student athletes are and what they're doing and, and kind of almost garnering a little bit more uh, street cred, you know, be great. And and I think like that for me has always been my goal with kind of taking this on. And and you know, with the with the uh, you know expenses, I mean, hopefully there there's uh, a little bit of pride in there, and we kind of all have kind of hopefully come together and and we put forth a, a great product. I assume there's more players that don't need to be mentioned than what you've mentioned so far, and there could always be more players added later. Um, yeah. What's the timeline for, for everything moving forward? Yeah, uh, so open registration uh, will happen April 1st, and, and we'll, we'll get that official um, on April 1st. Uh, right now we wanted to, uh, you know, in talking with the TVT guys, is to start kind of the ball rolling, and I've talked to you, and, and kind of really get this, uh, gaining steam uh, well ahead of time. You know, uh, we'd love to kind of continue to broaden um, not only our reach, uh, but also like we'd love to make it uh, a national team, like not just a, a Northeast, uh, you know, all quote unquote all star D3 team, but really, you know, uh, players uh, from out west and, and all those sorts of things. And, and if, if anybody has any idea of who would be a good fit, please send me an email. We'd love to talk, and we'd love to kind of also partner up with a charity and kind of keep that going. But it really kicks off April 1st. And But we'll 
get the GoFundMe page going, and uh, you know we'll continue to work our networks in that avenue. It'll be fun to see how this comes together. Uh, shamelessly, the championship weekend or championship sets of games are here in the Baltimore area, so I've got a vested interest just to be able to go see the games in my neck of the woods um, if I don't see any beforehand. Um, let Be blunt. What do you think the chances are? Not necessarily of winning the whole thing. I, I don't want to go that far, but at least yeah. representing pretty darn well. Yeah, I, I think... If, if I were to be uh, completely honest, I think we make it past the round of uh, of uh, the first regional games, and then then everybody's good. It's yeah. like the NCAA tournament. It's it, it boils down to luck and who's playing hot. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I think we stand a good shot uh, given the talent of of what we have and the types of character of kids we have on board. Uh, so. You know, it will be uh, it'll be interesting to see how this group uh, meshes together. You know, from uh, some of them have never played uh, against each other, and some of them have half. So it'd be yeah. kind of interesting to see how they all come together. It'd be kind of cool to see um, when we all get everybody together. We'll be doing a training camp uh, in June for about a week, week and a half, where we kind of put them through. It'd be a little bit different flavor for me. You know, obviously, because I'm a D3 coach, so it's kind of a more of a pro professional approach. So it's, yeah. it's going to be kind of weird. And, and but it, at the end of the day, it's all coaching and basketball. Yeah, fair point. It really is. Um, we'll just see if you're running the B line or if you're running uh, motion offense uh, or something like that. We'll just we'll see what you pull out of your your your. Hey, bag of tricks. hey, the good news is, is like they're they're good players. So you know, you know what that means. Good yeah. players make the coach look good. So yeah, right. hopefully, I don't have to do much. There, fair <laughs> point. Fair point. Uh, he is the general manager and head coach of We Are D Three TBT, the, the uh, team being put together for Division th- Division Three student athletes, former we should say, um, who will be participating in the basketball tournament. He is Mike Raniac and. Mike, as always, you give the coach, the guest, whatever you want to call it, the final word, final thoughts on that you want to convey to those tuning in. Yeah, Dave, I uh, just want to thank you uh, for all the support uh, throughout the years. I know you and I have known each other, and I think you do, and, and, your, and your coworkers do a fantastic job, and, and I look forward to talking more about this in the future. Um, and uh, if anybody out there is interested, uh, you know, feel free to email me uh, on the, my email address on the Vassar website. Uh, rainiac3223 at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at WeAreD3TBT and uh, hopefully Dave will be talking about Vassar men's basketball uh, making waves in the Liberty League tournament in a couple weeks. Well, hopefully, but then I'm going to go talk to BJ Dunn, sir. That's true. That's true. He's <laughs> good to talk to. Absolutely. Hey, Mike, thanks again for taking the time. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. I know we we're going to talk East Region, but we'll skip it for now. We'll get back to you another time. No worries. Take care, Dave. Take care. Mike Raniak joining us here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline again. We are D3 at the basketball tournament. Fascinating to see how this will work out. Looking forward to it. Going to take another break when we come back. Uh, we stay up in New York State. We go over to talk to Alfred. They're having a breakout season. Russell Phillips will join us to talk about the Saxons. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. 
Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment, the game-winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this marathon show. We are in hour seven of the show. Got a lot coming up ahead, um, including our conversation with Danielle Donahue from the WBCA. Also, our conversation with Tim Fitzpatrick, the committee chair from, of the men's committee, the athletics director at Coast Guard, plus plenty more. You can find out on our, our website the schedule. We'll keep things moving as we're a little bit behind schedule as we speak and looking to catch up. If you're looking in the East region, one thing that might jump out at you is how well Alfred is playing. Last season, 10 and 15, as was the year before. Uh, a couple of 18 and 19 win seasons in the rearview mirror, but they are 15 and 4, and they are 8 and 2 in the Empire 8 right now. Uh, half uh, game behind Stevens, tied with Nazareth in what is an upside down uh, from what we're used to, Empire 8 season. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of Alfred, and it is Russell Phillips. Coach, thanks for taking the time and joining us here on the show. Oh, hold on. Got to hit the mute button. There you are. Oh, hey, no problem. Thanks uh, Thanks for having us. Really excited to, uh, to talk about uh, Alfred. Well, it's it's impressive with what you guys have put together so far in the season. 15-4, and four, as we said. 8-2. and two. Your loss is coming to Hilbert. Case Western Reserve, and then back-to-back against Stevens and Nazareth. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. guess who's coming up? Uh, Stevens and Nazareth. But <laughs> it's all about timing here on the show. Um, but the, the big thing is, again, 10-15 and 15 last year and 7-9 and nine in the conference. Did you guys ex- expect or suspect that you could be maybe in the conversation, as it were, as it were this season? 
Uh, I mean, we were, we were hoping that we could compete uh, for an Empire 8 playoff spot. Um, obviously, missing it the last two years, that was kind of our main goal. Um, I think this was this year coming in, we had a lot more questions. Uh, we graduated a big senior class, uh, a 1,500-point score in Tyler Seelman, who was an all-league player for three years. Uh, so I thought there was a little different edge with our guys because there was a lot of unknown and there was a lot of playing time up for grabs. So I thought uh, they came in pretty hungry um, and really took the offseason serious um, and really put themselves uh, in a good position once we got started for real You know, on October 15th. Well, losses to Hilbert and the like, I'm sure, can frustrate a coach. But what did you guys learn from Hilbert and Case Western Reserve and even Stevens and Nazareth that you're using now to try and, and better your situation? Yeah, I mean, those were all uh, all some different tests. Um, you know, Hilbert, uh, you know, played really physical, did a great job on the offensive glass, which kind of exposed some things for us. And Case Western, I mean, they can they just got a bunch of guys that can really shoot the ball. And I see they've had a couple couple big wins uh, last weekend, you know, with a weekend sweep in the UAA. Um, so you know that they're, uh, they're a really good team. And, you know, Stevens and Nash just really defend. Um, they're physical. They play hard. Um, they have a lot of different options. Um, so they, they both presented a lot of challenges that uh, kind of allowed us to, uh, you know, see ourselves, see our weaknesses a little bit and hopefully uh, shore them up, you know, this time of year, February, when it really counts. Yeah, you still got, obviously, some important games ahead of you. Um, as we hinted and joked, you've got uh, Stevens and Nazareth ahead of you. But first, it's a home game uh, tomorrow, Friday, uh, against St. John Fisher. Is that right? Is it? No, it's Saturday. Two, yeah, yeah, it's actually Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, Jeez, the, the dates six, throwing yeah, me off. Yeah, I'm sorry. Buy, yeah. yeah, you got a weekend <laughs> by. That's what's throwing me off. Yeah. Uh, you'll have the weekend by, and you'll take on St. John Fisher at home. Then you're on the road against Stevens and Sage the following weekend. Of course, that's that long trip down to uh, southern New York and then back up into Albany. Uh, yep. then home against Nazareth, and then on the road to finish against Utica and Hartwick. So a little bit of road warrior here because most of these games are going to be on the road. And, of course, in the Empire 8, nothing is easy on the road. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get a road win, uh, it's big and it feels really good. Um, I think the, the one nice thing with the way that our, our schedule kind of uh, lined up, I feel like the weekend trips are usually a little bit better. Um, you know, it's kind of nice to just get on a bus and, and just be with – with your team and with your teammates, uh, and there's no no other distractions. You know, you got uh, a night or two in a hotel and, and two games, and there's you know not worried about classes or any of that stuff. So, you know, we try to look at the the positives of it. Um, but uh, we're three and one on the road so far, and hopefully we can you know take care of business. Uh, you know, the last two weeks of the regular season. Yeah, not a bad road a road record to say the least. You're trying to battle it to be in the conversation at the end. <clears throat> excuse me, Stevens has got a game lead, and so obviously that game with Stevens means a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And you also want to stay in the regional rankings conversation. We don't know what the regional rankings look like till next week, but you at least have a decent resume. It's not that it's new for Alfred, but it does feel like you guys have gone to another level with this program. So is there a little bit more buzz on campus? Is it a little bit more trying to keep the guys focused? Uh, a, a little bit. I mean, I, and I don't know if you saw um, Sage Brown had a had a pretty impressive dunk uh, the other yes. day, and it was probably the loudest I think I've ever heard our gym. Um, but you know, I was pretty fortunate uh, to come into a program that that was in good shape. You know, Dale Wellman left it uh, in a really good spot. Um, they won 18 games the year before, um, inherited a, a lot of really good players, um, and you could feel that buzz uh, my first year, and it's real similar to that. I mean. 
Alfred's a, it's a, it's a nice spot where when you're winning, um, the, they really really come out. You know, not just the students, but the, the local community really comes out and supports you. And you know, last Saturday uh, was our senior night game against Elmira, and it was like I said, it was probably the loudest I've ever heard it, especially after that play. Um, and that kind of that play kind of took off on social media uh, quite a bit. So yeah, and I'm happy for the guys that they're kind of getting some attention and, and feeling pretty good, but. We're just trying to stay focused and make sure that we're taking it one day at a time and you know putting ourselves where we need to be. Uh, one day at a time, a lot of coach speak, but I also know what you oh, mean. Yeah. You're trying to make sure that the guys focus on just today. So in other words, you just want St. John Fisher to be focused on Wednesday. At the same time, you have this week off, you have this time off. How do you kind of massage giving them time to recover without giving up too much time where they may kind of lose uh, – um, just lost the thought. What I was trying to say, lose, yeah, lose a step. Or, yeah, the yeah. rhythm, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fine line. But uh, you know, we sit down uh, with a, with our coaching staff and just try to see what what we want to focus on. And I think uh, it's kind of nice that we can really just focus on ourselves and, and see what we need to get better at, kind of get back um, to our basics and what we where we may have had some slippage with with a lot of games and. You know, we'll go two days, we'll have an off day, and then, you know, we're pretty much, you know, two days on and games the rest of the way. So, you know, get through the next two is pretty easy because, you know, we don't have to do anything to get up, uh, have our guys get get up for Fisher or anyone else in our league. Um, you, this is the upside-down part of this of this conference, Coach. Is, you know, St. John Fisher the last few years has been the class of the, of the conference. Um I think we all expected them to be good this year, but with the coaching change, really didn't know how that dynamic was going to be playing out. Uh, let's see. Last year, you know, they tended to kind of control things. You also had Stevens, who, but they were four games back. Utica, five games back of St. John Fisher. Hartwick hasn't been in the conversation in a little bit of time. Nazareth as well. This year feels like the old Empire eight in some in some ways, while at the same time being a little bit upside down. Is it even a little bit odd for the rest of the conference? I just think uh, it's just very, very balanced this year. I mean, Fisher graduated Keegan Ryan, who was an All-American. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really tough to replace All-Americans, but they're just really, really deep. Um, so instead of having the one guy, you know, that's going to go get, you know, 20 and 10 every single night, you know, they're playing 13 guys and really getting after you. So they're they're a little bit of a different type of challenge. But, you know, there's, there's no nights off. Um, there's not a huge talent gap uh, anywhere in our league and, like you said, going on the road is, is never easy. So um, I think that's the part that's uh, kind of making it fun. I think there's probably you know, pretty much everyone feels like they have a chance uh, to make a run at the Empire Eight tournament. Yeah, that's going to make things a little bit more interesting because everybody's gunning for everybody, making the last end of this kind of a little bit more <laughs> wide open to some degree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll keep the guys focused at least. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I know they're, they're, they check the standings quite a bit, no, but – um, our our, uh, our seniors have done a really good job at, at kind of keeping keeping the players focused. Um, they kind of set our goals every year, and the the main one and the one that we preach every day is just go one and zero. You know, whether that's a practice or a game, make sure that we're leaving better than we were, um, and that's just kind of a mantra that that they've adopted and kind of stuck and has been ringing through throughout. So um, that's that's really the way we've been approaching it. You know, from day one all year. Let's talk about this team being led by the captain, Nick Schmidt. No surprise there. Senior, mm-hmm. uh, he's got uh, 13.7 points a game. But you have, if you count uh, Sam Dagan at 9.7, you have 
six guys in double figures for a team that's averaging 83 points a game. That is a lot of different weapons to choose from. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, it's uh, it's always one of those, pro- is, you know, the quote-unquote problem a coach really, you know, loves to have. It's, it's, it's a different guy every single night, um, and that's a credit to them. They're just a really, really selfless group. Um, they share the ball. Um, you know, they, some nights one guy, we have a lot of guys who are capable uh, of going over 20 a, a night, um, but they don't, at the end of the day, they, they don't care. Um, they just want to win, and, and that that really stems from, you know, Nick and the other seniors, uh, Dalton Cousin, Tristan Hook, Josh Taylor. Um, they just, at the end of the day, they they won as freshmen. They didn't, you know, after that, and I think they, they felt that difference and are, are pretty much all in to, to try to win, you know, whatever it took. Well, it is certainly whatever you take. But when you have that many guys who aren't overwhelmingly scoring but are an option, at some point the teams have to you're playing against have to figure out who they're going to either try and stop or try and stop everyone. None of that is an easy solution. You guys must relish that opportunity. Yeah, I mean that's uh, we, we that's one thing we talk about is how how our team's going to guard us, and we're seeing some different stuff and seeing what they want to take away. Um, you know, the one nice thing we've been shooting it pretty well in the arc as a team, um, which has opened up uh, some stuff for our big men one on one and. Uh, they're both playing really well in there. So, that, you know, we're seeing a lot of different stuff, and teams kind of take away, you know, they try to take away some, some of our arc or some of our inside stuff. And, um, you know, it's nice to just uh, know that the guys have confidence that whatever they take away, that we, we have a counter to it. What is what is the – I mean, how do – okay, so we see the stats is what I'm trying to get at. But what is it really making this team click? Um, I, I think it's uh, – you know, it, it starts with just their mentality. Um, you know, it's it, it's a fun group. It's a loose group. We got a lot of a lot of personality with the guys. Um, you know, they, they take it seriously, but they don't take themselves too seriously. Um, and I think they kind of feed off each other. Um, you know, they they get just excited for their teammate success as their own. Um, and it's kind of that that X X factor that you can't really. You know it when you don't have it, um, and, you, and you love it when you have it, and it's something that you can't really, can't really coach. It's just kind of what what they have, and I feel like uh, this group has kind of kind of figured out figured that out a little bit. Yeah, it, uh, it it's fascinating to watch what you guys have done, um, and I and I'll chuckle because I'm 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 shocked. I chuckle because this is what this season has all been about. It's been absolutely wide open and and any team's got a chance is that something that your team's even relishing it on is that something that you're even driving home to your squad oh without a doubt um you know that's it's it's something you you get a couple wins and see it and can just kind of go through the league once and go hey why, why not us i mean there's probably a lot of teams saying the same thing but you know why why can't we make a run and um, obviously our first goal is to make sure we make the tournament um and then kind of take it from there but um, I think it's exciting for the guys to know that they're in a mix and, ha- and have a chance to, to do do what they set out to do. Well, congratulations. Uh, it, to be blunt, uh, it's just I don't know where else to go with that one because y- you guys are in the mix now, and, and you've made a big difference um, with a program that maybe a couple of years ago people had, I don't want to say written off, um, but certainly – didn't know if they could get back into the top of that conference when St. John Fisher is playing so well, when Hartwick is a, is a beast of a team, et cetera. 
Um, and I, when you've had experience under Izzy Metz, who's coming up on the show, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, that's why I did that. And Mike Neer, I guess maybe some of us should have known you were going to have some su- some success. Uh, I mean, I've been uh, I've been pretty lucky with my mentors. I mean, I know you, I mean Coach Neer was uh, he, I was at Hobart and he kind of came to me, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, Izzy Metz has been was great for me, and I'm you know they're obviously having a great year, which isn't surprising. And then uh, you know Tom Spanbauer gave gave me my start, and he's uh, just collected his 400th win this year. So I've been uh, I've been pretty fortunate uh, with the mentors and uh, you know and bosses I've had you know so far in my career. Well, it is a heck of a coaching tree to come out of, to say the least. We'll double-check, though, what Itzy thinks of you when we talk to him in a little bit. <laughs> um, and uh, thanks for taking the time. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Yeah, I just want to, uh, to thank you, um, obviously, for, for taking an interest in Alfred in our basketball program um, and for everything that you're doing on a daily basis. Um, I mean, Without you, I don't think we'd have the national voice um, and you know togetherness of Division Three. Uh, it can be very you know regionalized at times, and all the work you're doing kind of makes uh, makes it feel important for our guys, and they enjoy seeing it. Kind of brings it all together on on one stage, which uh, which we really appreciate. Well, thank you. Appreciate that as well. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll look forward to probably talking about the Saxons uh, in the next few weeks as well, and maybe even in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we hope so. Thanks uh, Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Congratulations. Take care. Thank you. Coach Phillips, Russell Phillips, joining us. Of course, he's a Cortland uh, – well, it says Cortland grad. Uh, is that actually – kind of rem- forgetting my own my own notes. This is what happened. Yeah, yeah, that's where it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. I'm there. We're there. We're good. We're good. Uh, congratulations to him. Uh, and the Saxons playing really well. And again, great coaching tree. Hey, quick note before we go to break. Just saw Gettysburg tweeting this out. Uh, George Petrie, the head coach of the men's Gettysburg team, has decided to retire at season's end. I'll be honest, not that surprised. Kind of had a gut feeling. There's a few variables in play that I thought would would make that decision uh, come soon from Coach Petrie. Hats off to him. Remember, Coach Petrie was involved um, with that great story of a player of his who had suffered a stroke, who's probably one of the best um, play, I think it was a stroke, one of the best players coming out of high school and had his career cut short very quickly when Washington College uh, made sure he got fouled so he could score some points in his career in his final or one of his final games. Uh, Coach Petrie going to retire from uh, Gettysburg. When we come back, we'll head out to Eastern Connecticut. Bill Geithner will join us to talk about the Warriors and their battle, uh, not only in the conference, but in the Northeast region. You're listening to Hoops Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops still after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. 
to get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this marathon show as we get ready to close out, uh, what is it, hour number seven? Yeah, we're closing out hour number seven here of the 12-hour beast. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Lots of ways to interact with us. Um, I'm trying to remember how long. Yeah, we got it. Okay, we're good with our simulcast is what I'm trying to figure out. And then lots of interactions on YouTube. Certainly appreciate it as well. Uh, Ira Thor says, tuning in for the first time today. Well, where the heck have you been, sir? Have you been on the air for long? Yeah, you know, just since 10 a.m. Uh, you are at Hoopsville Marathon. We're jumping up in the Northeast region. And if you haven't been watching the standings in the Little East, you should be. It's a fascinating race. Remember, this is a conference that Keene State has represented well out of the, out of the, uh, NC, in the NCAA tournament the last couple of years. But it's always been kind of... Eastern Connecticut's conference as well. Uh, they've always been in the conversation. They haven't lost more than three games in the conference in all, since 2011. Uh, they are currently 18-2, and 9-0, playing very well in the conference. And joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Warriors, Bill Geithner. Coach, thanks for taking the time. No problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. I mean, listen, 18 and 2 is nothing for you guys when we're used to seeing 21 and 9, 18 and 9, 20 and 4 back in 2015. You know, winning is synonymous with your program. That's what we're used to. But the 9 and 0 at this point, um, with a one game lead on the standings and on Keene State and two games on Western Connecticut, you got to be thrilled with how the team's been doing so far in that part of the of the structure of the of the season, and that's taking care of conference games. No, I, I think we're very happy uh, where we are, uh, you know, still realizing that, you know, we have a big month of February coming up. And, uh, you know, as you pointed out, there's, you know, two teams within two games of us. And, uh, you know, we've we've still got, uh, you know, quite a work, uh, bit of work to do, but we definitely are happy with where we are right now. This is a, a again, you know, Keene State's kind of held the mantle the last couple of years. They're They're a heck of a battle this season. You beat them earlier, seventy to sixty-four on January seventeenth. You've got them coming up 
next week. Uh, of course, winning on the road key to to your success as well. What has it been about Keene State that's kind of changed this, the the landscape of this of this little East? No, they're a very good team, very talented. Uh, Coach Kane does a great job. His staff, um, you know, guys are very well coached. They're, you know, a bunch of competitive guys that, uh, you know, come out every night and, and really compete. And, uh, you know, over the last uh, X amount of years, we've had some great battles with them. Um, you know, each one of us kind of holding serve on our on our home court. Uh, you know, we were fortunate earlier in the year to, to get a win at third place. Uh, in a very competitive game that that could have gone either way, um, you know. So we definitely respect everything that they do, and uh, you know, understand next week when when they come down to the Willimantic that it, it'll definitely be a, a great game. <laughs> yeah, I, I that sounds a little bit to me like, hey, you got to come to our place and you got to win in our court. Uh, that's not so easy to do. You guys have certainly uh, played well at the at the Gessler Gymnasium. And you get at least three of the next five games at home trying to position to get the tournament coming through your neck of the woods. It is important to have home court advantage, is it not? I think so, definitely. I think our guys, um, you know, feel comfortable on the road. But obviously, I mean, I think being at home, there's there's a sense of uh, relief there and, you know, maybe a comfort level. Um, you know, but we're, you know, definitely used to being on the road. Um, you know, 20 games into the season. We've only had seven games at home this year, so uh, we are pretty excited, though, to have a three-game stretch where we're, we're not getting on a bus. Yeah, the bus is, is, it makes it harder than New England, too, when you've had some winters <laughs> the way you guys have had this season. Um, Mass Boston and Keene State ahead at home, then on the road against Dartmouth, or Mass Dartmouth, not to be confused, and Western Connecticut, where they're in the race, and then uh, home to finish things off against Southern Maine. Every coach tells me it's it's game by game. We focus on game by game. But do you also have an, a general message to the team about what they need to be focusing on to get the job done here in these final five? You know, I, I think we've really tried to focus on on every day. You know, our our kind of motto the last eight or nine years has been, you know, come every day, work hard, and, and try to get a little better both individually and collectively. And, uh, you know, we've had a group that, you know, over the years has kind of bought into that. And, uh, you know, I think throughout the season we've, we've gotten better. And then by, you know, late February come tournament time, we're, we're ready to, you know, play our best basketball. You know, I think with this group it's been a little different. I, I think we've, um, you know, over the last, you know, three or four games, we went through a little bit of a rut where we, we were winning, but we weren't playing well Um you know, and I, I think that's been a focus of ours. And I think last night with the win uh, against Trinity, um, I think we we hopefully got out of that and we, we started to play a little better, especially in the second half against them. Um, but we really went through about a seven or eight day period where, you know, the message was, you know, congratulations, we won, but we, we didn't play well. We didn't play, um, you know, the way we need to play. So, our guys have received that message, and I think they still understand that there's a ton of basketball and, and that, you know, we still can get a lot better as, as a group. Um, yeah, you kind of touch on everything there and, and making sure that this squad is, is focused at the task at hand. What, what's, you, you talk about the Trinity game. Well, let's talk about that one because I know you were a little nervous about that, a non-conference game here on Wednesday night against a pretty good Trinity squad. But you beat them. As you said, you pulled away in the second half, seventy-two to fifty-six. Um, 
Trinity's been a decent squad this year. They've gotten some key wins. They're now 13-7, and though, in a three-game slide. What was it about that team that made you nervous, and what was it about your team that you did so well to get the win? Well, I think you touched on it. I mean, they've had some good wins this year. They're they're a good program. Uh, you know, Coach Cosgrove's done a great job there, and um, you know they've gone to the NSA tournament. So, um, you know, I just think their pedigree and and being a NESCAC school, we you know recognize that those games are big games. Um, and then from a personnel standpoint, they they have some big guards. Um, you know, six three, six four. You know, very physical uh, perimeter players. And, you know, this year we're, uh, our makeup of our group is a little different. You know, we traditionally had some bigger guards. Uh, this year we're, we're a little smaller on the perimeter, so I had some concerns, you know, whether or not we'd be able to, to handle the physicality of the game. And, uh, you know, I, after the game, you know, once again in the locker room, I gave our guys a ton of credit. I really thought they showed, uh, you know, some toughness and, uh, you know, the ability to play through some contact and, and just uh, – you know, come out on the on the right side of things in a, in a very physical, uh, tough game. Uh, let's talk about the team a little bit more specifically, and let's start with uh, Tarshi Brown. Uh, you guys have honored him recently um, as the program's all-time scorer, uh, breaking the previous record of 1,657 points held by Nick Nedwick. He obviously has been a huge uh, key and could be the first player ever to eclipse 2,000 points in the career for either men's or women's program at Eastern Connecticut. You've had some good players through the system. The fact that he is broken out from, from those levels says a lot about his, his abilities and, and what he's provided to this program. No, Tarchi's been tremendous. Um, you know, since day one that he stepped on campus, he's, he's had the ability to score the basketball. Um, you know, but his game has really evolved this year. You know, he's a physical, you know, 6'4", 210, 215-pound, you know, guard um, that can score in a, in a variety of ways. And, you know, I think the, the great thing about Tarchi this year is that, you know, he's shooting a higher percentage. You know, we talked about it in the off season, trying to set some goals, um, you know, for a player who's been, you know, first team all league since a freshman. And, you know, one of the things that, that I talked to him about is just, you know, shot selection, um, you know, is trying to shoot a higher percentage, um, you know, and he's a perimeter player that, you know, is at 52% from the field. Um, you know, there's not a lot of those guys out there, um, you know, but he's been great. He's rebounded for us this year. He's been unselfish. Um, you know, there's times that he's our playmaker. There's times he's our center. Um, you know, he's just one of those rare guys that, you know, can kind of, play any position at, at any time. And it's, um, you know, he's really embraced that, you know, leadership role for us. And, um, you know, it's, it's been tremendous um, having the opportunity to, to coach him. He scores 20 points a game on average, 19.9 to be specific, shoots 34% from beyond the arc. If he ever takes that shot, it, it's likely to go in. Seven and a half rebounds a game, second on the team in assists, top on the team in, in steals, second on the team in blocks. Um and then, or I'm sorry, second on steals. And then Kendall Marquez and, and Carlos Gonzalez also contribute in double figures at over 11 points a game, and Corey Muckle at nine points a game. So, sure, you can go and try and stop Brown, but he's going to have a couple guys he can certainly dish the ball to and is willing to dish the ball to to get other guys involved. I completely agree. I mean, Tarchi, uh, you know, his scoring has been down a little bit the last few games, but, you know, his impact on the game is, is more than just scoring. It's, uh, 
you know, finding other guys and, you know, regardless if he's scoring or not, um, you know, just having him out on the court, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, opposing team has to identify him and, and keep an eye on him and, and always an emphasis of any scouting report. So I think other guys have had the opportunity to feed off, uh, you know, his abilities and, uh, you know, those guys have stepped up and, and had great moments and big moments for us. So, obviously, trying to get home court, try and control this conference, try and win the automatic bid is a key. But at the same time, you're out of conference schedule this season, not not too bad. You guys really kind of went out there and bolstered some things. Maybe teams like WPI haven't been as good as you'd expect it, but Montclair State certainly is turning into a, a pretty good result for yourself, though you played WPI twice which is uh, fascinating. Um, Cabrini on the road, or down in Hawaii, I mean in Miami, I feel horrible for you, uh, was a loss, but it's going to look good. The win over Amherst at the beginning of, of January in what is an annual game between you guys and the Mammoths. You, you've got a lot of, of parts to this schedule that makes me think you could still be in play with an at-large, but you still got to get the job done. How much do you talk about what could be around the corner with this team? You know, we've really tried to stay in the moment. I mean, there's been times, sure, that we talk big picture and, uh, you know, but it's really, you know, every day come and, and work hard, get better. Um, you know, we know our next game is this Saturday against UMass Boston, who's, you know, playing much better. Um, you know, it's had some good wins in our league. They're five and four in the conference. They've played, you know, Early in the year, Keene State beat up on them pretty good. And then, you know, Keene goes down there, uh, you know, a week and a half ago, and it's a, you know, it's six-point game. So, you know, we we realize that, you know, we're in a good place right now, but, uh, you know, there's no cushion for error. And, uh, you know, as far as the non-conference schedule, I mean, we're trying to, you know, go out and, and schedule, um, you know, really good teams that are going to help our resume if, if things don't work out for us in that third week in, in February. I think, you know, non-conference strength of schedule is right around 600. Um, you know, so we've tried to play some good teams. I, you know, I think that's what, you know, competitive kids want uh, is to go out and play against good players, good programs. And then I think that's only going to help us come February for our conference tournament is to, you know, go through and, and play great teams non-conference and have our weaknesses exposed, um, you know, so we know them and, and we can go back and uh, get back on the practice uh, court and, and, you know, work on those weaknesses. Well, I congratulate you on yet another season that has been successful, leading the LEC, though it certainly is a bit of a fight this season. Uh, good luck the rest of the way, especially in the rematch with Keene State and then on into the conference tournament. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? No, I just want to say thank you to you know you and and everyone that's affiliated with D3 Hoops. I mean, you guys do a great job, um, you know, spreading the word and, and spreading the game of uh, you know Division Three basketball. It's a it's a great product with a um, you know a, a ton of you know terrific student athletes that uh, not only represent you know their schools and, and the sport. Uh, the right way on the court, but off the court. So I just say thank you to you and, and all your people for, for doing everything that you do. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate the kind words. Safe travels. Uh, enjoy the rest of this run, and, and hopefully we run into you sometime soon down the road. That sounds good, Dave. Take awesome. care. Take care, Coach. All right. Bill Geithner joining us from Eastern Connecticut. Another tremendous season for the Warriors. Uh, they are 18-2. and two. Uh, the last time they didn't win 18 games or more in a season was 20, 
2009 when they were 12 and 14. The program has exploded since then, winning 20 or more games up until 2016 when they won 18. Uh, eight, it just really good job there at Eastern Connecticut. Look forward to seeing how that Little East race wraps up in the immediate future. Going to take another break. When we come back, staying up in New England, we're going to talk to someone who's going to soon be the winningest Division Three coach in history. 14 games behind Mike Strong of Scranton. Six sits Mr. Yosinoff of Emanuel. Andy Yosinoff joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline coming up to talk about his Emanuel squad and one heck of a milestone. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll be back with more after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment, the game-winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we are uh, rolling along here in uh, on this marathon show, about ready to, uh, well, we're halfway through our number eight here, or almost. Coming up, immediately after this interview, we will talk to Danielle Donahue in a pre-taped interview um, coming up, so we hope you will join for that, the executive director of the WBCA. All right, so I said it earlier, maybe will become, I don't expect otherwise. The winningest head coach in Division Three women's basketball history. Soon, 
Not quite yet. It'll probably take next year because I don't think there's enough games left to pass Mike Strong, formerly of Scranton. But Andy Yasinoff of Emmanuel has done incredible things with win over win number 800 and climbing with the Saints. Uh, it's one of those where I think some people don't realize how much Emmanuel has won in Coach Yanisov's uh, success. So we should talk to him about it, should we not? Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is Andy Yasinoff. And, sir, I will start with congratulations on one heck of a milestone. 800 wins is nothing to uh, shake a stick at. Thank you very much. It's, it was very exciting to, uh, to get to the 800, that's for sure. I'm sure. And, I, and to some degree, I wonder, was it also a little bit of a, of a burden because you just knew it was coming and everyone was talking and, and looking at it? Uh, it was a, a little bit of a burden. Uh, and, uh, you know, especially it was on the, it was on the road in uh, New Haven. And uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure it was on the, the minds of, uh, I didn't talk about it to my players, but I'm sure they, they all knew about it. And I, and I, all my coaches knew about it and I knew about it. So uh, it was it, it was nice. It was a nice burden to get rid of. That's for I, can, sure. I can understand <laughs> entirely. Um, you are, I think, now have won a game since. So you're at 801, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, we we beat Suffolk on uh, two days ago. Right uh, on Tuesday. So that makes it 801. The record is 815. I uh, just don't think when you add up all the games left, you've got let's see, there's six regular season games plus conference tournament plus NCA. I don't think we can we can pull off 12 more games. <laughs> not. Not this, not this year. Or, or even more, yeah. Not going to happen. So we don't have to worry about that necessarily the rest of the way. But this team is having a, a tremendous season, 13-6, and 9-1 in, in the GNAC. Uh, this is a team that wins 19 or more games pretty much every season. We know you guys are, are successful. This year, a little bit of a rough spot, though, and, but you also had one heck of a schedule. Lost to William Patterson, Brandeis, Amherst, and St. Joe's of Maine in, in four straight uh, to start the season after beating Yeshiva. We won't discuss the score. Uh, then Tufts and River Falls tripped you up. But since that loss to, to River Falls on, on December 30th, including a win over Dickinson, all those games taking place out in California, you guys have been on a bit of a roll here, but you still got a lot of season left. Yeah, we, we, we have a um, big game tonight with Johnson and Wales, who's, uh, you know, one of, our, one of our toughest teams in the league. And, uh, yeah, we've been on a... Uh, it seems like the uh, turning point of the season. Um, as you, anyway, we were in we were in Los Angeles and played uh, Wisconsin River Falls and did not play a very good game that in that in that first game in California and it seemed like uh, the season was was all up in the air before we played Dickinson and uh, since we played uh, from the Dickinson game on we've uh, we've been uh, playing so much better and. Uh, We've been scoring, um, as you can see, a lot of points, and I think we're averaging close to 85 points a game in the last since the Dickinson game. So uh, we've, we're up and running the, the way the style that I like to play. How long did it did it take you longer this season to get up to that speed that you expected, and that, that's why we saw that four game slide? Well, you know, you know, you know, number one, we played some very good, tight, right. you know, some nationally ranked teams. Um, but it took us a long time. We, in the beginning of the year, you know, had a couple key players that uh, st- stepped into the lineup for the first time, and it took uh, took over over a semester to to figure out the right lineup and to get everyone in the right groove. And and I don't, we weren't running and pressing 
the way I would like to. So we weren't scoring a lot of points, and uh, we just we got we just uh, upped the ante and really uh, started running and pressing the way I like the way I think we need to play because we're not that big, and uh, it's made a big difference in the in our successes in the last uh, nine games. Yeah, you still have again the way the GNAC schedule is. You still got six games ahead, so I feel like you know you've got a, a large chunk of games to to try and still solidify where you are in this conference. You're leading the conference as 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 we, or St. Joe's is actually leading the conference, uh, and now Regis is still ahead of you. But it's a tight race. St. Joe's who is undefeated, eighteen and one in overall, ten and zero in conference. Regis who who's joined the conference took their first conference loss in eons. Um, counting their old days, uh, they're ten and one, and you're nine and one. So you want to position yourself not only for the conference race, but position yourself for future endeavors as as well. How big is the challenge ahead of you to try and and get back at those two teams when you can't play St. Thomas again or St. Uh, Joseph again? You do have Johnson and Wales, and you still have Regis ahead of you. Well, yeah, we we have to you know we have to win the uh, we have to win the rest of our games. Um, you know, right, right now it looks. If we won the rest of our games, I, the way I my predictions, we, the, I think we'll end up in second place because I. Although St. Joseph Maine had a very tough game with Suffolk last yeah. week, I'm I'm not sure if they're going to lose another game. So uh, we've already the last two uh, the last two years we've been in the uh, in the GNAC finals and we had to go up to St. Joseph Maine last <laughs> last year. We lost in overtime. We've had. Uh, some great games up there, so it, it looks like you know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to win out, and um, hopefully we can uh, we can get to the championship game. I I hope. Yeah, well, and with Regis in the conference, it has changed a little bit. The GNAC's kind of going through some ebbs and flows, which I I'm sure is is really helping with scheduling for you. Uh, um, <laughs> you do have three home, three are on the road. Though three on the road are back to back: LaSalle, Mount Ida, and Regis before finishing up against Anna Maria. Do you talk about these things with the team? Do you discuss, listen, we need to win out to secure at least maybe second? Do, do we want to best position ourselves for X, Y? I mean, is that a part of the conversation with this team? Uh, well, um, I, I, you know, um, uh, I, I, I told my team actually from uh, before we played Dickinson, after we beat Dickinson, I should say, that um, my goal was to win, win the rest of our games. And it wasn't going to be easy because, I, you know, we have – as you said, we you know we added Regis is very right. tough. Um, Johnson Wheel is tough. We're playing tonight, and we have a lot of you know it's a it's a the league has gotten much much stronger. So it's uh, I'm I'm you know really going. I'm trying to go even though I'm I, I like to look into the future, but I'm trying to go one game at a time. And we just gotta each game we gotta get we gotta play better than the game before, and that's basically what I'm trying to accomplish at this point. We'll talk about the team in a little detail here, but the first thing that jumped out at me on a roster of 14, you had 10 different states represented. Massachusetts, New Jersey, Maryland, Florida, New York, Maine, West Virginia, Rhode Island, and Connecticut, along with Pennsylvania. That's a very diverse group, especially for a New England school that, that nothing against it. Brandeis tends to be the only one, or a NESCAC, that jumps out at having a little bit of, of diversity state-wise. What, what's, what, what ends up being the reasoning or the the um, uh, the factors involved that make you guys such a diverse yeah. group? Well, first of all, I, I and I recruit all over the country, so mm -hmm. I go to a lot of 
tournaments, you know, like the Rose run for the Roses in Kentucky. I I'm I'm kind of unique uh, for the Division three, as you said. Most typically, most Division three schools have the rosters mostly local kids. Um, I found that uh, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of basketball players would lo- love to come to school in Boston. We happen to be in the middle of it. Know, two blocks from Fenway Park, two blocks from Harvard Medical School, and they, you know there's a big attraction to come to Boston. And, uh, and, and the funny thing is that recruits from far away uh, really get excited about coming to Boston, even more so than kids that live in New England who are you know already used to you know, coming to Boston. So yeah. I, it just seems like uh, I've, I've uh, most of my career I've I've recruited it everywhere, and I like you know I like a very diverse team, and I like diversity on my team, and that just that's my that's my unique way of uh, recruiting. You're led by a sophomore, and Yoleska Ramirez Tejada, uh, Tejeda, uh, fifteen and a half points a game, hauling down nearly a double double with nine point six rebounds a game. Uh, also, two steals a game and two assists a game. Alicia Fox, the senior, eleven points a game. Um, and then Madison McLaughlin, the junior, eight and a half points a game, along with Carla Weaver, a sophomore at the same point, and Ryan Maynard, the senior, at, at eight points a game. You've got a nice diversity there, too, because while you've got two seniors, you've got a number of underclassmen. Not that I'm surprised that you would have depth or underclassmen performing, because I think that's kind of been the bread and butter for how Emmanuel has done so well, and you've won 801 games. Yeah, well, I would, you know, Yuliska is a transfer. Um, she's a she grew up in Boston. She uh, she uh, first year freshman year played University of Indiana Fort Wayne, she, but she wanted to come back home. Um, she's just a, a very diverse player. Can can do it all. She's had a, um, numerous double doubles besides being a 4.0 GPA. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, Ryan Maynard and um, uh, Matt and Maddie McLaughlin and Kayla Weaver have really. Uh, Come come on, very strong, really improved, and then you got Alicia Fox, who's my um, I use her as my sixth man. She's our spark to our team and tremendous athlete. And uh, then you got Mary McCarthy, my fifth starter, who's been very solid at the center position. Now we have a lot of depth. Um, that you know, some I like to play a lot of players, and you know, we're we're trying to our philosophy is try to you know wear down people sure. by going. 94 feet as much as we can. Uh, Coach, quickly back to your legacy. Uh, 801, again, you're 14 away from tying Mike Strong, former head coach at Scranton, uh, for the all-D3 record. You join the likes of Pat Summit, Gino Ariama, and and 13 total. You're now the 14th coach in women's basketball in all NCAA to eclipse 800. Um, we assume you'll still be coaching next year, then that number will be eclipsed uh, versus Mike Strong. And the court has now been named after you. Do you look back at, at all your years coaching and, and realize just exactly what you've done? It's, a, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I started here in uh, the blizzard of 78 <laughs> um, with six players, um, no, not even a real scoreboard, fan-shaped wooden back backboards, and now I play in... Probably the I consider the nicest Division Three gym in the Northeast. Um, if I ever, I could never picture that I would be here for 41 years and accomplish, you know, all these victories with all, so many, 
great athletes and great great students. I mean, I, I it's things have moved so fast in my coaching career that I I, I just can't believe where I am, and, and I'm still excited and happy uh, to keep doing what I'm doing. And uh, it, it's a, it is amazing. Number one, that I've been here 41 years. It, it doesn't even. <laughs> It doesn't feel like 41 years. It feels like I, honestly, I'm as excited as I was uh, back in 1978. It's just, uh, it's an exciting, it's an exciting place to coach, great school, and I've had great players, and it's just been uh, a lot of fun. Well, congratulations, Coach, on a tremendous career. Congratulations on another tremendous season. Heck of a battle in the GNAC this year. Look forward to seeing how it finishes. Good luck the rest of the way, and thanks for taking the time to join us. We always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, secret to success is to outwork everyone else. That is a good point. Good way to finish. Coach, thanks so much. Take Have care. Good luck. Thank Enjoy the season. Much. Yep. Bye-bye. He is uh, Andy Yasinoff from Emmanuel. Uh, by the way, they play at Gene Yawkey Center. Have you heard of Yawkey Way? Okay, put two and two together. It's a very nice facility. Looking at pictures on it online. I've not been to it. I got to make a New England trip. Uh, again, the GNAC women's race usually, you know, I don't think is a lot to talk about in the past. I think it's a lot to talk about this year. Uh, St. Joseph's of Maine ten and zero, Regis ten and one, Emmanuel nine and one, Johnson and Wales eight and three, and Suffolk seven and three. There's a Albertus Magnus also right in there. There's there's an interesting race here with a lot of decent teams. We'll see how it all breaks down for them as we move forward. Uh, gonna take a break when we come back. I have my conversation pre-recorded earlier this week with Danielle Donahue from the WBCA. We discuss a host of topics. It is worth listening to, especially if you're a fan of women's basketball. Daniel Donahue, the executive director of the WBCA, upcoming. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on the Marathon Show as we keep rolling along here, ready to close out our number seven. Earlier this week, I got a chance to talk to Danielle Donahue, the executive director for the WBCA, and I'm honored once again to have been able to talk to her as we have spoken on numerous occasions 
throughout the season, and I thank her for her time in doing so. A lot of topics to discuss, uh, so we won't waste much time. We will break up the interview in the middle with a commercial break. But in the meantime, Danielle Donahue joined us earlier this week and had a lot of fascinating topics to, to talk about and certainly things that will keep us all thinking um, about women's basketball moving forward. Now joining us on the City of Salem, Hoopsville Hotline, the Executive Director for the WBCA. It is Danielle Donahue. Uh, Danielle, thanks for taking the time, as always. Well, thanks, Dave. It's great to be with you. Um, we, we enjoy our chats, whether they be in person at the convention or on the phone. Um, to, to brag a little, this relationship with Hoopsville has certainly uh, gone from zero to 60 quickly and blossomed since then. I personally want to thank you guys for, for uh, the help, as it were. But there's so many great stories out there that this seems like a no-brainer to some degree. Well, we have been so pleased with this partnership, Dave. We appreciate the opportunity to tell some of these important stories and to be able to brag about so many of our talented coaches. This partnership has been a real win for us, and I'll tell you, I think you look really good in a WBCA polo. (laughs) Uh, I felt very comfortable in a WBCA polo, to be honest. Uh, And I thank you for that polo and even the coffee mug that people may see on a couple of occasions. Um, and we appreciate the help. Uh, one of the things that's great is we get the great stories to talk to the great sto- coaches, whether it be uh, Lori Cairns at, at Milliken, who even Skyped with us, or Polly Thomason at, at Dallas, Matt Dempsey uh, at Merchant Marine, of course, Stephanie Stevens recently at Gallaudet, and here on the, on the marathon we're having uh, Dixie Jeffers. All different kinds of people from different points of view who love women's basketball as much as the next coach um, and, and really involved in it. If, if there's one thing that you hope people can get out of these segments, what would it be? I, I think that it's important to show how strong our sport is in, in terms of diversity. We have some amazing people from all walks of life that serve our student-athletes um, at the Division three level and really every level at our sport. And telling those stories um, allow these individuals, these leaders and coaches to come to life. And it's so important. I think the, the tapestry of women's basketball, the history of women's basketball, the evolution of women's basketball is told through storytelling. That's one of the ways that we showcase our game um, through the media and through um, being able to encourage young people to play the sport, uh, folks that have played the sport or love the sport to want to coach. Um, those stories are, are what help people see that, hey, maybe I could do that, or, um, hey, I want to support that team, or, hey, I'd love for my daughter to play this sport. Um, so it's very important, very important to show how talented all of our, our coaches are, our members are, and certainly um, the beautiful diversity within our ranks. You know, I have talked in the past about where Division Three kind of felt in the WBCA for a number of years, and then the seismic shift at the WBCA of, of leadership changes like yourself and other avenues taken, and now it feels like Division Three really has a seat at the table. Um, and, and getting those stories out is part of that. At the same time, it's members like uh, a Pat Manning, a Mary Beth Spurke, Polly Thomason, or, or recently Christy Thomas-Cuddy, also kind of taking the lead a little bit and showing off, as it were, um, what bring, makes them an important part of the WBCA as well. I, I get the feeling the Division Three membership has really sprouted its wings over the last few years as well. I, 
I'd like to say so. Um, I've, I've been here now three and a half years. It has flown by, and I have enjoyed every minute of it. And, and Division Three has been a priority uh, for myself, for our board, for our staff. I'm, I'm proud to say, you know, going back to just last month in December, um, for our Division Three members, we, we had in December an 84% renewal rate wow. of our Division Three members, and that's a, that's a good number. Um, we're still selling more, more memberships and, and renewing more memberships, and certainly people are registering to come join us at the convention. But, but that's a strong number, and that shows that, hey, I think we're on the right path. I'll also say that from a position of our, our board of directors, we have an incredible board of directors of a lot of talented people, coaches and administrators, folks in the industry, and the, even some business folks that are not necessarily in the industry but that are invested in making sure that our sport is going to be successful. Um, our Division Three board members, you mentioned them, Pat Manning, Mary Beth Spurk, Polly Thomason, those three have carried such a great load for their peers and represented Division Three at such a high level. Um, our our board is is very impressed um, with their contributions and the way in which they serve, um, the way in which they offer ideas, the way in which they work on the working groups and 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 lead our conference captains um, at the Division Three level. They they work with. Um, with our staff daily in, in what we offer from a digital perspective um, throughout the year as well as in-person opportunities like the convention. And I'll, I'll say you mentioned her, Christy Thomas-Cuddy was a, a, a huge, huge, huge influence on our board and so respected by her peers. And Christy really, really has done an amazing job for Division Three coaches and certainly for the WBCA for a number of years um, as she served on our board. Yeah, it did, if many don't remember the, the former Emory coach, Christy Thomas-Cuddy, stepping down just before the season started due to personal uh, and health reasons. Christy was the, had just been named, and in talking to her, literally just had been named uh, the vice president um, on the board and in line to be a president uh, of the board for the WBCA when when all of her health challenges took hold. And, and she stepped down from Emory, which made her uh, as well as have to step down from the board, which is understandable. But it also felt, at least on the outside, like maybe it was a missed opportunity for Division Three. Is that is that a fair assessment? Well, I, I liked everything that you said about how valuable Christy was. Um, I do not think it's a fair assessment in the sense that it's, it's, it's disappointing. Christy absolutely opened the door to, to the board considering mm-hmm. non-Division I coaches for the presidential line. And Christy did such a great job over the years of contributing on, uh, on the board, on the executive committee, for working groups. Um, she was a legislative chair. Christy was just a wealth of not only knowledge but of service. She never said no, and she always was there um, to help the staff, to help our board, um, to help her peers. Christy would have made a fantastic president mm-hmm. of the WBCA, and she had the trust um, of our board. Unfortunately, in life, we, we cannot control yeah. um, some of the obstacles that come at us, and I think when Christy 
resigned her position at Emory, um, our board was, was saddened that she would not be our president one day. Um, but our board was so respectful of the contribution that she has made. And, and, and I'll tell you, I mean, she, Christy Thomas-Cuddy is an asset to our game. I know, I know um, that she will continue to serve our game in other ways. You might have seen her on some ESPN3 mm-hmm. broadcasts as um, one of the talent. Um, she has been on, sprinkled in on some of the other ESPN um, network uh, broadcasts, ESPN2, um, She's she she's done a, a fantastic job. She's being coached right now as she's dealing with her medical situation, but she's being coached um, to really refine her talent as um, as a broadcaster. And I think that with some coaching, she is going to be a fantastic broadcaster one day. Yeah. One of those um, color analysts for our game that's able to really speak as a coach. Um, and, and be able to promote our product on the floor to the television audiences. Um, Christy is still opening doors uh, for, right. for others and for those that will follow behind her. But specifically for our WBCA board, I think Christy opened the door so that our board is very, very open to the concept of elevating anyone on that board, whether they're a Division One coach or not a Division One coach, if they have served their peers at an excellent level, they will be in the in the conversation um, to be considered for that presidential line. That's certainly wonderful to hear. And yes, I, I almost wonder if the the temptation of literally the bright light might keep uh, Christy from ever returning to the bench. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's wonderful to hear she's doing so well. Um, I don't know, but she's good at anything. <laughs> she she's is good at anything. She tries. You're right. Um, a couple things of note that I know uh, that jumped out to me, having talked to, to everybody in your office and, your, and yourself as well. First and foremost, you plan on attending the, the Women's Final Four this year in Rochester, Minnesota. Yes, I'm looking forward to being in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, I, I, I always enjoy attending the Division Three Banquet and the Division Three Final Four, and um, that'll be a, a fun time for me to be able to see um, some of our student-athletes, to be able to have some good conversations um, with some of our coaches and be able to listen and, and learn from them, but also to show the WBCA's support um, for them and, and where they are at this season, but also to celebrate um, Division Three. Certainly the, the Final Four is, is a pinnacle for us, um, and, and it'll be fun to be able to be at that event and, and show, um, show the WBCA's support. I will also say, Dave, I've had some wonderful conversations over the years um, with the Division Three Women's Basketball Committee, the NCAA Women's Basketball Committee, and and those folks are are really um, they're tremendous in in their leadership and their service. I mean, many of those folks on the the D three Women's Basketball Committee, they are coaches and they are administrators for their institutions. And then, oh by the way, they're running the national tournament, yeah. <laughs> and and they 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 are so insightful. They are so selfless. Um, they are wonderful examples of of the game and certainly the spirit um, of of Division Three and and I really respect um, them. I respect their opinions. I want to learn from them and certainly want to understand how the WBCA can um, can serve them. And and I think the the chair this year is Bobby Morgan, mm-hmm. and and Bobby has she has served the WBCA for years and years and years in all sorts of different positions, and so. I know the uh, the committee is in good hands, um, and I, I really hope that we are able to uh, 
be a supportive um, network for them. Yeah, we had Bobby on the show earlier, getting us all up to speed before the first regional rankings come up uh, later this you know, next week uh, for the first time, and, and we'll look forward to seeing uh, their work. And you know, I've talked a lot, and we'll talk more about in the future. I think the Women's Committee has some <laughs> some uh, interesting challenges because of the administrative roles, um, but we'll talk another time. Uh, we're talking to Danielle Donahue, Executive Director for the W. BCA here on this marathon show. Uh, quickly moving ahead, it, well, actually, before I move ahead from the Final Four, I know the women's coaches are trying to make an effort to make the Final Four better in Division Three. They have done away from the consolation game. I know there's been plenty of talk of trying to bring in the All-Star game like the men have. It, 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 how does the WBCA fit into trying to help make that weekend better? Well, I'll tell you, the All-Star Game is, is a topic that continues to come up in our conference captains' um, discussions, also from our board members. I think the, um, the concept of an All-Star Game is, is exciting. I can absolutely understand um, why that might be a, a great direction as, as D3 moves forward. Um, from a WBCA perspective, I, I would point out that one of the challenges um, is on the men's side, that all-star game is funded yeah. um, by a corporate partner of the NABC. And so that's something that we are looking for, um, is a corporate partner that would help alleviate some of those expenses um, and support that all-star game um, and, and be able to help, help that all-star game you know, get launched and, and be successful and, and potentially a corporate partner that would be a, a multi-year um, type of, of arrangement where yeah. an event like that could build every year. Um, from the WBCA's perspective, we, we're not in a position right now to be able to um, to pay or fund that yeah. all-star game, um, but we, we are committed to trying to make sure we are, are listening, we are part of the team, um, and we are, are trying to explore possible corporate partner solutions. All right, corporate partners, if you're listening to the show, all right, come on, let's get with the WBCA. And by the way, I get a finder's fee. Um, <laughs> yes, and if anybody has any leads, let yes. us know. we will chase them down yeah. and um, and work on that. Absolutely. Anybody with a bright idea that hoops will do it? No, we don't have the budget either. Uh, as much as we <laughs> want to support it. Um, moving ahead, you have the WBCA convention coming up at the D1 Final Four. Of course, it's going to be in Dixie Jefferson's backyard in Columbus, Ohio, this year. Uh, what's so important about the convention on a grand scheme of things? Well, I, I will. Let me do a shout-out real quick to Dixie Jeffers. Dixie Jeffers has really done a, a tremendous job of, um, of pre-work, uh, welcoming people to her city for this upcoming year. And, and Columbus is um, a, it's a great location. It's a drivable location. We hope that there will be a lot of, of coaches from all the different divisions of our membership that, that will attend. Dave, you ask what's important about the convention. Well, every year the convention is our family reunion. The convention is an opportunity for all of our coaches to get together, to um, share with one another some of the ups and downs of, the, of each other's seasons. It's an opportunity to celebrate a number of our award winners um, and make sure that they are recognized for the tremendous accomplishments that they've made over the year. 
it's an opportunity for um, our coaches to to get together and sharpen one another in classroom settings, um, in on-court presentations. It's an opportunity to learn from one another. Um, they can learn from one another, and they also learn from, from experts that we bring in to speak on different topics. Um, it's a great, great, great place for every coach to put on their calendar every year to say, hey, I'm going to go back. I want to see my peers. I want to participate with them and enjoy them. I want to learn and add more tools to my tool belt, and I want to celebrate the game. I want to celebrate the award winners, and I want to celebrate um, the Division I Women's Final Four right now. It is the media pinnacle of our sport, and it's important that our coaches support that event with their presence and with their enthusiasm so that we can continue to make sure that that event um, is, is in those conversations as, as one of the premier event, events that happen every year across our country. Um, I'll say that, that when we look at, at television ratings, um, the, the, the Division I Women's Final Four, um, those, those television ratings are, are higher than many bowl games. Um, they, are, they are right up there with, with some of the largest sporting events, um, professional sporting events um, also in our country. And it's important from an a in-arena perspective um, that that event is sold out. Yeah. It's important that we sell that event out every single year, no matter what city we're in, to show our support for the sport. Yeah, no, it, and when I went to Indianapolis, very impressed. Um, you know, yeah, you're not in a major football stadium, but to be honest with you, you lose the game there, in my opinion, and it's nice to be in an arena that's built for basketball, and when you've got 20,000 people there cheering people on, it's outstanding. It's it's a great environment. Um, yeah. A couple of topics I know that you guys are going to have there. First off, Michelle Duran from Ohio Northern is going to be speaking on court, which is that's going to be that's going to be fun to. I wish I could be a fly on the wall to watch that one. But the one that oh, yeah. jumped out at me was Kate. Is I think it's Fagan. We'll be talking about the mental health and and of student athletes and trying to identify. And we had a wonderful story recently of a student athlete talking about dealing with clinical depression, um, and hoping that more student athletes can kind of a come to grips with what they might be dealing with and be public about it and get support. Is this a, 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 not a new thing. I don't want to say it that way, but is this something that's coming along and coaches are starting to realize, listen, you know, A, it shouldn't be in the dark, and B, what can we do to help? Yes, yes. This topic of, of mental health and, and support for our student-athletes is at the very top of the list for all NCAA sports, women's basketball included. Kate Fagan wrote a fantastic book. It's called What Made Maddie Run. Um, I have read it. Many of my staff have read it. I highly recommend it to all of your listeners. Again, it's What Made Maddie Run, and it's written by Kate Fagan um, from ESPN. The, the book is, is a wonderful personal story of, of what happened um, to this young student athlete, but but Kate's delivery at our convention, it, it's going to help us continue to talk about this important topic. We had some professionals last year um, at our convention, some some clinical doctors um, and 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 folks that are experts in that arena from the NCAA at our convention to help begin um, to talk about this topic to our coaches to help 
our coaches understand where the role of a coach starts and stops and the, the need to make sure that on your campus there are professionals um, that you then can work with when you have a student athlete that, that needs help. Um, that the coach should not be expected to fulfill every role, um, but the coach does need to be able to identify signs. The coach needs to make sure that um, that all appropriate communications are, are happening, that, that encouragement and support is there, and that professionals are brought in. Um, and, and many times these professionals already work on the campus in another capacity, um, and, and that those student-athletes then can be shepherded um, to the appropriate folks that, that can help them through whatever it is that they're going through. Um, this topic we have, have continued to teach on it through our digital platform throughout the year, and then we're going to address it again, um, as you mentioned, with Kate Fagan at the convention this year. Um, Kate certainly has a, a fantastic perspective of all the research that she did um, to prepare for, for writing her book. Um, and then we're going to have some very important dialogue with our coaches as to where are they and 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 are they are they tracking on this? Are they setting up supportive um, systems on their own campuses? Are they talking with their athletics directors and other administrators and university presidents about how do they support? How do we make sure there's a system of support um, around all of these student athletes? It's a it's a very very important topic um, for all NCAA sports for 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 not only NCAA but but any 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 sport whether whether you go all the way down to the high school level you come into our our junior college and community college two year colleges you go to the NAIA you go to division 321 you go all the way up into into our professional um, players and coaches this topic of mental health is really important to all of us at every level and um, and it will be important to make sure that all of our coaches are tracking on it and that we're equipping them um, with tools to go back to their campuses and make sure that they're, um, they're setting up important support networks with, with their administration um, and those on campus to protect their student-athletes. Really important topic, Dave. You're right. Absolutely. And uh, it, one we cannot um, talk about enough. Uh, so that is our conversation with Danielle Donahue that will continue after we take a break. When we come back, we talk about uh, more of the issues in women's basketball, college athletics, and, of course, uh, the WBCA, including how to get more women's coaches, how to better prepare them, and to how, help get them jobs that maybe they're uh, of deserving. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, our conversation with Danielle Donahue continues. You're listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. 
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Dixie Jeffers from Capital University and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave. Thanks, Coach Jeffers. Appreciate you uh, with that. And, of course, the WBCA as well. We should have been running more of those ads throughout the day, but we have not been able to. But Coach Jeffers, who was on earlier, we never got around to talking about win number 700 with her. Mistake on my part, to say the least. All right, so back to part two of our conversation with Danielle Donahue, the head, uh, the executive director for the WBCA. We start off the conversation talking about professional development and how to get more women as head coaches, especially in women's basketball. That's part of the second half of the my conversation with Ms. Donahue that we now feature here. Ryan Scott, our Around the Nation columnist, wrote a rather insightful and eye-opening story this past week about the fact that, you know, before Title IX, 90% of female coaches or coaches of women's sports were female, and that number has plummeted since um, exponentially to some degree and kind of shockingly. But you guys are trying to not only develop young professionals and, and get them into, into coaching positions, but try and also change the tide, as it were. Yes, and I'll say, Dave, um, I, I appreciate certainly um, Ryan's article. I, I had an opportunity to visit with him, and, uh, and, and certainly any time that, um, that we can find members of the media that are willing to um, invest in women's basketball and, and tell these important stories. It's so valuable to our sport. So I, I, I want to compliment Ryan for his work, and I certainly enjoyed my conversation with him. Um, but I, I would say, Dave, for you and, and certainly for, for your listeners, um, it's also important to recognize that, that our student athletes are being prepared to be leaders in any career anywhere in the world. And, and our women today have the opportunity to truly chase whatever dream they have, coaching included. Mm -hmm. And so from a WBCA perspective, I think we are trying to recognize that our student athletes are incredibly talented. Um, we want to make sure that, that our coaches are teaching them fantastic life skills mm -hmm. that are going to help them be successful in whatever they choose. But for the ones that do decide to be coaches or that they want to pursue coaching as a career, we certainly want to make sure that we're providing um, a pipeline or an onboarding or an entry point mm -hmm. um, for some of these, these, these young people that, that desire to coach. One of our best programs that's been going for 15 years we're so proud of it. So You Want to Be a Coach is the name of the program. We've had over 800 participants in 15 years, and, and over half of those participants are um, current uh, basketball coaches at some level um, and, and also um, working in women's basketball at some level. And so that's, that's a source of pride for us. 
Um, I think all of our coaches are very committed to making sure that if a student athlete wishes to coach, we want to make sure that they have have a uh, at least a direction of how to at least try, how to at least begin their journey. Um, we also are really trying to create a, a far more robust mentoring opportunity um, with the WBCA. Two years ago, um, our president at the time was Coquise Washington. Coquise, one of her priorities was to create a formalized mentoring program um, inside the WBCA. And so we, we created um, the Coach to Coach Mentoring Program. We have we have, we have over 400 coaches right now participating in that program in small little circles, um, depending on what they want to work on. Um, some, some coaches want to um, be career assistant coaches or, or be better at, at, at certain elements of coaching. Um, some assistant coaches want to be head coaches, so we, we try to partner those folks up. Um, some head coaches are brand-new head coaches, and they want to learn from um, from head coaches that, that are, are more veteran head coaches. Um, we, we pair those folks up. Um, some, some folks are, are, are at other levels of the sport, um, and they want to move to a different level of the sport or, or, or all sorts of different scenarios. So our mentoring program is, is really um, – last year was our first year. This year it is growing um, it is it is definitely taking strides to hopefully every year um, grab some more members and 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 for the members that participate in it, I have heard um, very very positive feedback as to that they want to always participate in this in this program. We do offer um, a a smaller mentoring experience called Mentoring Madness at the convention. <laughs> So for somebody um, who doesn't participate in the in the season-long mentoring program, um, they can come to our convention. They can participate in one of two sessions that we offer where it's basically like speed dating at tables. <laughs> we have great mentors that are there. We have the mentees there. They're able to ask all sorts of questions about whatever topics they want, um, and, and that's an opportunity to kind of have a, a smaller taste of what it feels like um, in a session, and then hopefully those folks will want to sign up um, for the season-long program. But um, those those mentoring opportunities, I think, are so valuable uh, for for all of our veteran coaches. Um, I have talked to so many coaches over the years that they really credit the way in which they approach certain aspects of their job, the way that they have kind of grown up in the profession. They credit their mentors for helping get them on the right path early, um, for helping them not have to learn um, by the school of hard knocks as, as much. Um, it's an opportunity for them to, um, to really make some, some quantum leaps in their career um, with, with feedback from mentors. And so I, I highly recommend any of our mentoring programs um, in terms of our webinars, we, we have so you want to be a coach, so so you want to be a head coach webinars. Um, we have a number of coaches that desire to be head coaches, um, and they 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 want to do that preparation ahead of time before they're interviewing. Um, so we have a, a digital offering there um, for assistant coaches who really want to start working on their tool belts, working on their skill sets, and and preparing for that day when they do um, formally interview as, as head coaches and they want to be successful in their first head coaching job. We have some of those webinars. Um, we've, we've, we've really tried to make sure also with our, our 30 Under 30 program that um, for those outstanding 
30 under 30 coaches um, that they have an opportunity to learn and grow and, and understand the responsibility of, of, of being a coach. And what does that mean? And it means you serve your peers. It means you, you want to be in leadership positions. It means you want to give back. Um, and, and also it means that you want to learn and, and cultivate some very important habits to see, um, see yourself be successful in, in your career. So I, I would say that from a professional development perspective and certainly on the topic um, of, of women in coaching, we are really focusing on making sure that we can, can get um, young women who played our sport that want to coach into the pipeline um, in an entry point, and then um, we want to make sure that we are educating and surrounding and encouraging um, them and all of our young coaches uh, to have fulfilling careers throughout their coaching journey. It's certainly an interesting topic uh, that you know we're learning more about, or not learning more about, but just maybe waking up to and, and hoping more women get the opportunity to, to coach, especially, and by the way, even in men's sports. Uh, we know we have it in some others, and Someday, maybe in, in basketball as well. Great to hear some of the student athletes who think it's no big deal. Um, yeah. yeah. Danny, Daniel, one more thing I wanted to bring up. I, I noticed uh, and and in your bio that I that I think is interesting in Division Three, and we're talking a little more about it. Is is your work with officiating and, and trying to have the game called on a more uh, even level, as it were, uh, across the board in Division Three? We now have a national coordinator of officials, which we hadn't had in the past. And, and I know the work is certainly not going to turn the, the big ship around quickly uh, or whatnot, but how, in, how important is that to you, and, and what do you think are the biggest challenges? Well, I appreciate that question, Dave. And, um, and I'll tell you, the, the playing rules are one of the ways in which we protect the way, the way our game is, is experienced um, by student-athletes, by coaches, by officials, by fans, by the media. Um, the playing rules really affect the product on the floor. And so understanding what we want our game to look like is, is so important. And then it's important to work through the appropriate channels to make sure that we write rules for the game that, um, that will give us that desired output in terms of what we want our game to look like. What are the things we want to highlight? What are, what are our strengths? What, what are things that we want to make sure that we are, are elevating um, so that we can, we can certainly celebrate them um, in, in terms of, of, of the way the game is performed and, and, the way in which folks compete. Um, I will say that, that working um, in women's basketball, I have always had a great appreciation for our playing rules, and I have, have, have really enjoyed um, working with those that, that work on the, the Women's Basketball Rules Committee, the NCAA Women's Basketball Rules Committee. Um, those folks, there are coaches that represent Division One, Two, II, and Three. Um, administrators that represent divisions one, two, and three, um, and then some some fantastic um, experts that they bring in to to speak about um, you know other levels of the game, whether it's what's going on in the high school realm, what's going on 
um, with the WNBA, what's going on from an international perspective with FIBA. Um, it's important to understand where our game sits within the greater family of, of the game around the world. And from a Division Three perspective, I will say that I, I have really enjoyed watching um, Division Three games, the competition, the, uh, the, the coaches, the chess matches out there. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic, fantastic sport. And, and the product at the Division Three level is, is exciting. The players are so skilled, and the teamwork is, is outstanding. Um, from, a, from a Division Three NCAA perspective, um, I know you mentioned that, that Mary Toberman was hired um, as the Division Three National Coordinator of Women's Basketball Officials. And I know she's going to be working with, um, with June Courteau, who also um, is, is over Division I um, officials. And, and I think that that is a, a strong step forward. Um, it's important to make sure that, that, that the rules um, are called the way that they are written. It's important that there is consistency um, when rules are adjudicated across the country in a similar way um, so that when a team is playing someone down the road or playing someone that's a plane flight away, um, that it's a similar experience when they're competing. And, um, and there's, a, there's a competitive equity. There's a fairness. Um, and, and those are all things that we really appreciate and that we strive for um, at every level of our game. And so I, I do think that, that the, the hire of Mary – at the Division Three um, level for, for national coordinator of officials um, at the NCAA is a, is a great move. Um, I look forward to continuing to work with, um, with Kelly Whitaker, um, who also works at the NCAA in terms of, of overseeing Division III, um, the, the Division Three championship, and, and, the, and she is the liaison with, um, with, with the Women's Basketball Rules Committee um, and the the Women's Basketball Championship Committee there, um, I think that there are so many positive signals that, um, that Division Three is, is putting one foot in front of the other towards a goal of, of what the product can be on the floor. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm excited about what I see, the, all the ways that the different committees are working together, um, the, this recent hire, the, the commitment of those that serve on all the committees, um, there, there are some strong steps forward that are happening. And, and I hope that the Division III um, coaches and administrators and, and greater membership of the NCAA um, will celebrate all the progress that's being made because it, it is, um, it's, it's exciting for our game and it's something to be celebrated. Well, it's certainly going to be something we're following and, and be interested in along the way because uh, it's one of the common topics uh, of Division Three is how diff the game is, is officiated differently across the board, how it's different in each region and how it's in different in each conference. And I, for one, am looking forward to that not being a topic of conversation. Yeah, um, yes, we want to make some progress there. Yes, and we look forward to it. And, Grant, it's, again, it's like a big ship uh, trying to trying – to, have it turn the corner it's it's going to take some time to get all the things moving in the right direction certainly not expecting it to all of a sudden shift by the end of this season but uh we look forward to seeing how it works out down the road uh danielle taking a number a bit of your time again and we always appreciate your uh, time with us to talk about issues especially surrounding women's basketball 
Um, and with that, I, I, I thank you ex- as much as I can uh, for your time and don't want to take any more of it, but we always give the guests the final word and any final thoughts you'd love to share with anybody who might be tuning in. Yeah, I, I would just say, um, Dave, thank you for, for all that you do to, to tell the stories um, of, of so many of our talented D3 coaches um, and programs and, and student-athletes. Um, it, it's, it's very important for us to be able to, um, to really make sure that the narrative of our game is is one that is accurate and that is um, is a narrative of of hope, a narrative of encouragement. Um, there are so many wonderful things that are going on um, in our game and also in Division Three that that deserve um, that deserve uh, to be told. The, the 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 stories deserve to be told. And um, and I think that when when there are different things that happen in the greater ecosystem of sports and of the media, um, it, it's important that we focus on the good. Um, it's important that we focus on on all the things that we are so proud of. Um, I know from a, a WBCA perspective, you know, we, we serve coaches of women's basketball. We have since 1981, and we are so proud of the impact that coaches make on student athletes who play women's and girls basketball, and we have since 1981. These are these are our our tried and true pillars um, of the WBCA, who who we we have been and who we will continue to be. And and I know our coaches are so proud to make sure that that we are advocating and we are supporting the game of women's basketball at all levels of our sport. There, there is value in every single level. And, and I will just say um, to you and certainly to your listeners, um, from a WBCA perspective, our board is working very diligently. We're, we're, we're about to um, get into a, a, a deep dive, if you will, in terms of our strategic plan um, as we move forward and as the WBCA moves forward. And, and, and these discussions are going to be, um, they're, they're going to be thoughtful. Um, they're going to be um, really um, open-minded. Um, we want to absolutely respect um, the history of what the WBCA has always stood for, um, certainly what we want to stand for in the future. And, and these discussions are happening at, a, at an important time in, um, in, in certainly in the the life of the WBCA. And so I look forward, hopefully, um, the next time I visit with you, <laughs> I'd love to talk a little bit about what our board is going to come up with um, in terms of our strategic plan and our strategic direction as we move forward. And, and I'm really looking forward to being able to share that with you. Um, I know our Division Three Board of Directors members, um, Pat, Mary Beth, and Polly, they will be um, very engaged in these discussions. Um, and, and we really look forward to what we're going to come up with and then um, sharing that with you and certainly with, with everyone um, as to the direction of the WBCA as we move forward. Oh, I will look forward to that as well, uh, and including anything that that trio comes up with. You continue to have a motley bunch of Division Three, and I love it. I love Pat. I love Mary Beth. I love Polly. Uh, wonderful women uh, leading the way, and, of course, all of their uh, captains as well in the conferences. Uh, Daniel, thanks again. 
Uh, wonderful to have you on the show and to, to, to take this much time to chat with us about it. I really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy uh, the rest of the season. I'm sorry I won't be able to catch up with you in Rochester, but I know we'll catch up sometime in the near future, and uh, I look forward to it. I look forward to it, too, Dave. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Executive Director for the WBCA, Danielle Donahue, here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. And thank you for Danielle for appearing on the show. We certainly appreciate the time she took to do that and to go so extensively into topics. <clears throat> okay, a little bit of business here. We're a little bit behind schedule. We're going to work to get on track. However, we need to use this commercial break to get the third simulcast up on Facebook and to get a third recording going here on our recording system uh, just to make our filing system a little bit easier. So please bear with us. For those of you watching on YouTube, that means the broadcast will temporarily stop and then restart. Bear with us for that if you don't mind. Um, those of you listening to the podcast, there's a third one coming up eventually to listen to as well. So again, bear with us as we do a little bit of work behind the scenes that will temporarily stop the stream and then restart it. You don't have to leave your, your page. It should start on its own. Worst case, you might have to hit play again. Uh, bear with us and then we'll get right back to our guests. Of course, coming up, we got two more guests on women's basketball. Um, or, I'm sorry, men's basketball. Izzy Metz from Wilkes will join us along with Dave Nilbert from Penn State Baron. Then we'll talk to Tim Fitzpatrick. Coast Guard Athletics Director and Committee Chair. And we still have Karen Martin from Montclair, Janice Luck from Albright, Philip Ponder from Oglethorpe, Tom Christy Thomas Cuddy, former um, Emory head coach ahead, plus more guests still ahead on the show. We're going to take a quick break. Again, it may stop your stream. Don't worry. We'll be right back. You're watching Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Izzy Metz from Wilkes coming up next. <laughs> 